You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. All right. I feel like we done had church up in this house. Uh, Cody, Cody Sykes, our, our uh, campus pastor here, he's like super jealous that he's not in the room this morning. And he should be. He should be jealous. It's been an awesome day. Awesome day. No, but he sends his love. And um, anyway, he's, he's on a camping trip with his dad. Right, Stace? Yeah. And so anyway, super, super cool. He gets to take that time. And I'm honored to get to speak this morning. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about humility. Don't leave. Please don't leave. Stay. Uh, I, it's, this, is, this is a topic that um, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights for our, our, midweek, um, our midweek experiences that we've been having, how many of you are coming to those Wednesday night gatherings that we're doing? So they've been, they've been super awesome. And really what these Wednesdays are devoted to is we're going through each of our core values uh, Pastor Braden is coming down, and he's literally just talking about one core value per week, and he's devoting like a full hour, hour and a half to each of these core values. And then afterwards, there's a time of Q&A, so if there's anything that you needed clarity on or anything that you would want him to expound on, there's the opportunity for him to do that. It's, a- it's actually been really, really, really cool. And um, so I encourage you to come be a part of those, especially if you're new to Renew Life Church and you're just like getting your foot in the door, kind of getting acclimated, and you're like, why does every song that we sing take 30 minutes to get through? Like, uh, it's, or like, why is there a speaking team? We don't hear the same person speak every single week. What, maybe there's questions um, about the rhythms of Renew Life Church that you want to become more familiar with. Wednesday nights is a great place for you to get associated with and familiar with those things. They're absolutely incredible, and they've been a lot of fun. Well, one of our core values um, as a church is humility. And uh, Braden spoke on that this past Wednesday, and it has been in the forefront of my mind since then. And so it stepped on my toes a little bit. Anybody else stepped on my toes? And uh, they say hurting people hurt people. Well, my toes still hurt, so I'm going to hurt yours this morning. Uh, <laughs> it's... it's uh, it was so, so good, and honestly, I think that there's really something on humility in this season. In a world that says, look at me, look what I can do, read my blog, follow my TikTok, watch me dance, all the things, all the things. Um, I believe that the Lord is deeply endeared to, and I know myself personally and you as well, you're deeply endeared to people who don't have to have the limelight. There's something about a humble person, there's something about humility that's deeply endearing that connects you to someone and makes you, makes you think to yourself, like, I just want to be around this person more. And so since Wednesday, the truth is this, I have been realizing there are areas of my life where I am not the most humble human. And my wife makes me very aware of this from time to time. And I'm very grateful for it, right? Iron sharpens iron, and that's what these relationships are designed for. I, as I was preparing this, this uh, message, I uh, remembered something that I heard years ago, and that's Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Let's read this together. It says, now Moses was very humble, okay? Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Guess who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses. 
That's pretty funny. That, like, I, I love that. Like, he was more humble. He was more humble. Thus saith the Lord. Yeah, he's like, I'm hearing you clearly on this one, right? Okay, cool. Let's read John chapter 20, verse 3 through 4. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this, starting in verse 3. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Was that a critical detail? You know what I mean? So this, this is from the book of John, and it's widely believed that John wrote this book in the New Testament, the book of John, and he was actually called the disciple that Jesus loved. If you look at the, at the picture of the Last Supper, he's the one with his head on Jesus' shoulder. I think this is hilarious. I love that John, whenever he's writing his manuscript, he, like, takes the time to just point out, like, yeah, I was faster than Peter. Like, it's really, it's important to me that you know this, that I was faster than Peter, and let all of history— Henceforth and forevermore know that I was faster than Peter. Humility. We're going to talk about humility this morning. Here's what I know to be true about humility. It is not easy to live a life of humility. Here's something else I know about humility. Humility oftentimes is misinterpreted and misunderstood as insecurity. There is a distinct difference between humility and insecurity, and it is my intention this morning that as we dive into this message, uh, we understand what humility is and how to live a life of humility. I want to show you a, a graphic illustration that I came across in preparation here, if you'll throw that up. I, I feel like this is a really good representation of what humility is. Just catch it for just a second. <clears throat> Sometimes my like creative artistic brain, like things just click a little bit better. But I see, I see this picture of a man who loves himself. He's tipping his hat to himself, yet he is acknowledging himself in an appropriate light. Webster's dictionary, uh, dictionary describes or defines humility as not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive. Here's what I would say, and you could leave this up as I read these descriptions, if you will, Kelly. Thank you. Here's how I would describe Humility. Humility is viewing oneself at an appropriately lower level than others around you, regardless of cultural, social, or economic status, while maintaining confidence in who you are and who you are becoming. It's important to realize that staying humble and viewing yourself in a lower light than the other people around you, it does not mean you're bad. It does not mean you're worse. It does not mean that you're not good enough. And it's a slippery slope. And I believe sometimes it's easy to fall into that belief system about yourself. And it should not be so. Morgan Snyder, the author of a book that I oftentimes quote and reference, the book is Becoming a King. Morgan Snyder says this in the book. He says, take the lowest seat at the table until God makes it impossible for you, impossible for you to do so. Let me read it one more time. Take the lowest seat at the table until God makes it impossible for you to do so. This language of the lowest seat at the table, it's become something that, that has been a guiding principle for me in my life. Something that I look for opportunities to do. Whether I'm leading in an organization, I own a business and blah, 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 all the things. Or I'm a servant leader as a part of somebody else's team and I'm serving someone else's vision and I'm helping them grow what they're doing. Um, something that I utilize in every single area of my life is this concept of take the lowest seat. 
the lowest seat at the table. Now, inevitably what happens is whenever you live a life of humility and you take the lowest seat at every table that you find yourself at, promotion will come. And we'll get into this later on, but promotion will come. But I have seen this made evident in the people's lives around me and in my life as well, that whenever you promote from the lowest seat at the table, guess what's waiting, you, waiting for you on the other side? Another lowest seat at the table. And whenever you promote from that lowest seat at the table, guess what's waiting? Another lowest seat at the table. I imagine this transition is going from middle school to high school. Maybe you remember this going from eighth grade and you're like, I am hot stuff. Like, I'm the man, I'm the oldest, I'm the biggest, we got sixth graders. <laughs> and then you become a freshman and you're like, this is not as fun as it was to be an eighth grader. Lowest seat at the table. Let me give some examples of humility. Humility is having more questions and fewer answers. Humility is thinking of others before yourself. As I read these, I want you to just get really introspective, and I want you to allow yourself to ask, does this look like me? Do I represent this? Is this who I am? Humility is being grateful and not entitled. Humility is trusting that you don't know it all. Humility is trusting the Lord's timing. Humility is trusting that you are, in fact, being led at every stage of life. Humility is having confidence that you are right while maintaining the heart posture that you could be wrong. Humility is weighing the impact of your words before you say them. A posture of humility cannot be faked. That's called false humility. A posture of humility cannot be faked. And health does not exist in the absence of humility. I believe this to be true. Health does not exist in the absence of humility. Yeah, let's pray just one more time as we dive into this this morning. Father, Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, that you would guide my words, and Lord, that you would challenge us this morning, that we would be encouraged, that we would be inspired, yes, but challenged is okay too. <laughs> Father, I pray that we would take an honest look at our lives and we would hold it in in, in, uh, in tension with the gospel, and we would be willing to admit areas where we need to grow. We would be willing to receive praise in areas where maybe we're doing better. But Lord, this morning, I'm trusting that you're going to meet us here in this room, and we consent to these next moments together, Lord, to spend them with you and to allow you to refine us. In Jesus' name, amen. Kind of a moment of truth, drinking out of it. I didn't know if that was coffee or water at first. I was like, oh, don't burn me. James chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to talk about some markers of humility. The first marker of humility that I want to talk about is this. If you are a humble person, if you live in humility, you are slow to speak and you are quick to listen. Don't elbow your husbands, please. <laughs> slow to speak, quick to listen. Let's read. James chapter 1. It says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. 
Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If you listen quicker, you talk slower. This is just the principle. If you listen quicker, you talk slower. I say a lot of words in general. Like, in general, I say a lot of words. If you've ever been in a meeting with me before, you know this is true. I can take one sentence, like the Twitter model of like 140 characters or less, and I can turn that into a Facebook blog like that. Like, I use a lot of words, and I have a tendency to come up with those words rather quickly. <laughs> but if you listen quicker, you talk slower. My wife, on the other hand, if you're anything like us and you have kids, uh, you have kids, oftentimes your time together comes after the kids go to bed at night or um, if you are more disciplined than us, before the kids ever wake up. That ain't our life, generally speaking. So at night we'll be laying in bed and we'll be having conversations about the day and about what we're feeling and all these things. And my wife, whom I love with my whole heart, she does not use as many words as I use. She can usually get the job done in about 3% of the words that I would choose to use at any given time. So we'll be in a conversation and I'll say something and I'll ask a question and then it will literally be silent. Long enough that oftentimes I'll like pick my head up off the pillow and I'll look at her and I'll be like, did she fall asleep? Like, is she? <laughs> Listen quicker, you talk slower. This is, a, this is something that I model after my wife and I have to, and I have to, I have to force myself into this place. Listen quicker, you talk slower. Your words actually mean something. Treat them as such. Your words mean something. Treat them as such. Sometimes we don't give words the full weight and attention that they deserve. Your words actually mean something, so we should treat them as such. I want you to be really honest. Does this sound like you? Has this been said of you before? Well, he doesn't, he doesn't mean that. Like he gets fired up and he just says stuff, but he, he doesn't mean that. Or, yeah, whenever she gets in this mood, she just, like, fires off this stuff. But you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, and usually about 50% of that is true. Think about it. Your words actually mean something. One mark of humility is quick to listen and slow to speak. What a heartbreaking tragedy if when you're speaking, people just understand, when you're in this mood, we don't really have to listen. Or when you're in this mood, you're actually going to say some hurtful things that I have to discredit in my soul in order to maintain my emotional health. Your words actually mean something. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 says this, the tongue can bring life or death. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Every word you say, you will reap the consequences of. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences because there is power of life and death in the tongue. So if this is you, or if you've got relation with, relationship with someone in your life that you would say this actually looks like them and you've got the equity in their life to help them fix it, fix it. <laughs> your words mean something. 
The second marker of humility is this. They are quick to forgive. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Reading out of the message translation for this one, it says, So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, and then get this, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. As quickly and completely as the master forgave you. I believe it to be true that when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to forgiveness, oftentimes there's like a partial forgiveness that can happen as if that's actually achievable. <laughs> you're, either forget, you're either forgiven all the way or you're not forgiven all the way. But the truth is this, if you say you forgive, but you don't actually forgive in your heart, it is in fact a lie. It is in fact a lie. And I promise you that unless you forgive quickly and completely, just as the master forgave you, it will continue to come up and it will continue to come up and it will continue to come up and it will continue to come up. Whatever it is, interject this into your own story. Forgive quickly and forgive completely just as the master has forgiven you. I want you just to get this, that the enemy actually trembles and the father rejoices at the thought of forgiveness. The enemy trembles at the thought of forgiveness. And the father rejoices at the thought of forgiveness. See, this word forgiveness, it was actually the crescendo of Jesus' life for us. It was the crescendo of Jesus' life for us. I want you to, to, to just let your mind's eye go here with me. So Jesus, as, it, as it's recorded in the book of Luke, in, in chapter 23, in verse 46, I want you to imagine this, that Jesus has already been taken to the post. Jesus has already been beaten. Jesus has already carried his cross down the aisle through the city. He has already been placed on the cross, nailed to the cross. He has been up there for hours. He's been offered the wine. He's sweating. His feet are torn. His blood is pouring. And there is sweat coming out of every single pore in his entire body. And here Jesus finds himself hanging on a cross. And in verse 46, he gives up his life. But before that, in verse 34, we're talking about a 12-verse gap. In verse 34, what are the words that Jesus says? He says, forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. There's a 12-verse separation from these words being spoken and Jesus offering his life and dying. How important is forgiveness to the Father? Take it a step further. How important is being quick to forgive fully and completely to the Father? You see, I am very, very, very grateful that in that moment, his actions in dying on a cross were not contingent on my deservingness, but they were contingent on his willingness. 
I believe the same to be true in your story. Because we could go around the room and many of us would have stories where forgiveness is actually really, really difficult. Really, really difficult. And I'm not going to pretend like it's not. Really, really difficult. Yeah, but you just don't understand what he did to me. It was an absolute betrayal of trust. I, I know. Forgive quickly and fully. You just don't understand what this guy did cost me the promotion that I've been working for for years, and now it's gone. I understand. <laughs> Forgive quickly and completely. I believe that the model of Jesus to forgive quickly and to forgive completely can be interjected into your story as well. Because it was never about their deservingness. It's about your willingness to extend forgiveness. People who lead a life of humility are quick to forgive. Health does not exist in the absence of humility. Slow to speak, quick to listen, and quick to forgive. There's some expectations that come with this lifestyle. <laughs> Whenever you're slow to speak and you're quick to listen, and whenever you're quick to forgive, this will actually change the way you engage with your children. It will change the way you engage with your spouse. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself not just hearing the words they're, think they're saying, thinking about how you're, rebut you're going to rebuttal and what you're going to say next. But instead, you'll find yourself captivated and invested in their story and in their season in this moment. That's the life we're called to live. Come on, isn't that the life you want to live? Invested moment to moment. I don't want it to be said of me that every single time he was around, it felt like he was in the next destination. Come on, we've met with these people before. We've sat in rooms with these people before. We've been in proximity with these people before where it feels like the whole time you're talking to them, it's just like, whew. like, are you even listening to me? <laughs> are you listening to me or are you just in the next destination? Come on, I asked you to be a little bit introspective this morning. Could that be said of you? I wonder how many times I've been in a conversation with my six-year-old son who's just trying to tell me that he just drew the most incredible dinosaur you've ever seen on the back porch with 17 different colors of sidewalk chalk. And I'm like, yeah, but it's tax season. Come on. like, I got stuff to do. Husbands, I wonder how many times my wife has been trying to tell me something. I wonder how many times she's actually, been, oh my goodness, this is so fresh. Like I said, guys, like Wednesday hit me in the face. I actually heard my wife say these words to me the other day, and this is to be vulnerable with you. I want to let you know that I'm in it. Living a life of humility is not the easiest thing in the world, but a day after we had a conversation where I actually thought I was doing, mm, oftentimes I, I find myself in this place, and I believe you'll, you'll relate to this, doing seemingly the most while you're really offering the very least. I want to be perceived as if I'm doing the most, but I want to allocate as little effort, time, and energy as I can so that the perception is this, but the reality is this. And my wife says to me, she said, I feel like I needed a lifeline and you threw me a limp noodle. <laughs> 
Do you know my wife? Like, she ain't pulling punches. You know what I'm saying? And I had to honestly think about that and realize, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't ever want my motivation to be how I'm perceived. I don't want to just be thought of. I spit everywhere. I don't just want to be thought of a good guy as a good guy. I don't want to just be perceived as a guy who's got all of his stuff together and he's got his junk in a row. And he's, I don't want to be perceived as that guy. I want to live as that guy. Wives, I wonder how many times your husbands have been in conversation with you talking about the stresses of work. They're just beat down. They're struggling and this and that and whatever. And you're like, I'm just so tired of talking about work. And your face shows it too. And so does this hip. <laughs> Come on, invest. I'm, I'm serious. It's simple and it's practical, but it's so real. I don't want to be perceived as anything. I want to be what the Father has called me to be. I want to be slow to speak. I want to be quick to listen. I want to forgive wholeheartedly and unswervingly, quickly and completely. Because that's what the Father modeled for us. If he can do it, dying on a cross, 12 verses away from the moment he gives up his life, then so should I be able to forgive in such a way. You cannot fake humility. That's a limp noodle. <laughs> you cannot fake humility. Let's spend a moment talking about false, humi false humility. See, it takes a little bit of time to cultivate humility. Especially in a world where like the highest form of currency in West Texas is how hard of a worker you are. How quickly you can climb the corporate ladder. What your most recent pay raise was and what you did to get those dollars in your bank account. It can feel a little bit uncomfortable cultivating this lifestyle of authentic humility. So when it comes to false humility, here are some questions I ask myself. What is my motivation? What's my motivation in how I'm engaging with this human? Is it for me or is it for them? Second question, am I taking this action or am I saying these words with expectations of it inciting a desired response or reaction? False humility. Breaking off cycles of 10 years, 30 years, 70 years of grind culture can be difficult coming from a world where you feel like you have to prove it every step of every day. But I promise you this, I believe that there are certain circumstances in your life where your faith, in fact, will follow your actions. So next time you find yourself in a conversation with your son about this amazing dinosaur that he's drawn on the back porch, or the next time you find yourself in a conversation with your husband who's just trying to seek some empathy and understanding, or the next time you find yourself in a conversation with your wife who's truly telling you about the way you forget to pick up your laundry is actually costing her hours in her day. It seems laughable, but it's not. Engage in those moments and ask yourself the question. In my responses, in the way I am engaging with this person that I proclaim to love, 
Is there selfish motivation in anything that I am saying or projecting? With my lips, with my hips, what am I projecting? I want to be a person of authenticity. Do you want to be a person of authenticity and a person of humility? There are some very specific results that come with a lifestyle of humility. And I want to read together James chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Remember that, grace. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. And verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. There's four distinct, there are four distinct principles. These are results of humility. The first one is grace. He gives grace to the humble. Grace is getting something that you didn't deserve. He will give you grace for seasons where you feel like you're stressed to the max. You don't have what it takes. You're drowning. You're doing everything you can possibly do, and it's still not enough. There is this great equalizer that somehow sets you ahead of the game in life, and it is called grace. I need more grace in my parenting. I need more grace in my finances. I need more grace in my understanding for the political climate. I need more grace. I need more grace. I need more grace. We all need more grace. And that comes through humility. It'll seem like there's more time in the day. That's what grace does. The desires in your heart that you've prayed about for years will suddenly come to fruition. That's called grace. You'll have this ability not to just survive in your day, but instead to thrive in your day. It's called grace. And grace is given to the humble. The second thing, a result of humility, is you gain authority over the enemy. In, in, the, in verse 7, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come on, I see like tail tucked, running, fleeing. It doesn't say he'll leave you alone. Resist the enemy and he'll Mind his manners. He'll play more fair. No, he will flee from you. When you are a humble person, you gain authority over the enemy. Come on, do you need authority over addiction in your life? Do you need authority over problems in your life? Do you need authority in areas where you've been tormented? Humility is the ticket. Humility is the way forward. It gains you authority in your life. The third thing that it gains you is nearness with the Father. It says in verse 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. I want to camp here for just a second and for the majority of the remainder of our time together. The knowledge of his nearness should be the inspiration for your day. Just the knowledge of the intimacy with God. A living and breathing God who's walking beside you who's helping you and who's guiding you and who is leading you, the knowledge of the nearness of his presence should be the inspiration for your life. Exodus chapter 33, verse 15 and 16 says, 
Now, mind you, let me, let me set the stage here. You can leave this up. Thank you, Callie. But, like, setting the stage here. So the Israelites are in their migration out of tyranny and oppression and being slaves in Egypt. They are on their way to the promised land. The promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. The place they've dreamed about, the place that their ancestors prayed for. They are on their way to the promised land. Then get this. Then Moses said, if you, he's talking to God, if you don't personally go with us, then don't make us leave this place. Let's just pause there. I don't know where they are in the journey on the map here, but they ain't yet arrived at the promised land. And what Moses understands is this, is outside of your presence, outside of nearness with you, I don't even want to go to the promised land. I don't want to take this next step. I don't want to climb this next hill. I don't want to dip into this next valley. Outside of the nearness of God, I don't want to go anywhere. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people? If you don't go with us, get this, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on earth. The very thought of moving away from nearness with God was enough for Moses to risk inheriting the promised land. Why? <laughs> because somewhere along the way in this journey, what Moses understood is this. His presence is not only the destination but his presence is the fuel. His presence is the reason. His presence is the meaning. His presence is everything. And what gains us nearness with God? Humility. Humility. The fourth and final thing that I want to share this morning, in verse 10 of James chapter 4, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. A lifestyle of humility gains you honor in the eyes of the Lord. You'll be lifted up. I'm talking about things that you have strived for, things that you have felt like you've had to prove, things like you felt like you had to just grind and go and hustle to make happen. When you live a life of humility, somehow, some way, in the upside-down kingdom, which is the kingdom of God. Things that don't make sense just make sense. It's the upside down kingdom. All of a sudden, those things that you've strived for, you've labored for, you've taken pride in. You should see my resume. It's stocked with blah, 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 this and that. Man, if you knew what I'd been through to get to this point, then blah, blah, blah. blah. Like A lifestyle of humility, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, things just change talking about those promotions. I'm talking about those accolades. I'm talking about being honored and being elevated to places of honor by the Father. I want to be a man of humility. I want to be a man of humility. I want to live by these principles. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.